Welcome to the Help Club for Moms podcast. Each week we offer biblical encouragement and practical ideas to help you know the love of Jesus Christ more deeply and become the woman, wife, and mother you were created to be. We're so glad you're here. It's going to be a great day. Hello, everyone. My name is Deb, and I am so excited to be here with you guys today. I'm here with amazing, godly, lifelong, amazing woman of God, Susan Alexander Yates. And you guys, you are in for a treat today. Susan is an amazing woman who has been serving the Lord for I don't even know how many years, but I can't wait to talk to you, Susan. And I can't wait for all of our moms to get to know you. But Susan, welcome to the show. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about you? I know you're married for quite a long time and you have quite a few kids and grandkids. Thanks. It's great to be with you, Deb. I've looked forward to this. Yes, well, I'm married. I've been married for 52 and a half years to my husband, John, and we have five children, all grown, adult. They're all adults. They're all married, and we have 21 grandchildren. It's been a, a long season, long lots of seasons, but crazy and wonderful, full of failures, full of God's grace, everything probably that you have experienced as well. Amen. Amen. Isn't that great? We don't have to be perfect, right? Our kids don't have to be perfect. No, they're not. None of them. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And we can still bring glory to God. No one is disqualified. You know, I think that a lot of women that are seasoned moms, I think that they feel disqualified if one of their kids doesn't follow the Lord or or if if they made mistakes or something happened in their marriage. And that is just not the case. No one is disqualified. No one is disqualified because we're all sinful human beings. I mean, that's why Jesus came. And the pictures on Instagram and Facebook are just those. They're images. And behind every image of that perfect looking person is usually someone with real sadness. That's so good. I really love on your Instagram, just like you're bringing up your Instagram. I love this one picture of you and you have all these little grandkids next to you. And it was your 40th and you renewed your vows and you couldn't zip up your dress in the back, which I thought that was really sweet. Right. And (laughs) you guys were so cute. What's the story behind that? Well, we just thought it would be fun to renew our vows. We have a cousin camp slash family camp every summer. And we thought we'd surprise our children and grandchildren on our 40th and go through just a vow renewal. We have a son who's a pastor. And so he took us through it, but we didn't tell anyone, but our son. And so we put on our, um, my wedding dress and John put on his cowboy boots with his (laughs) tux, and we came out and we went through our wedding vows again. And it was very funny, Deb. One of the grandchildren said, I thought Guy and Poppy, which are their names for us. I thought Guy and Poppy were already married. Oh, we, we just wanted to demonstrate for our kids that marriage is about renewing all the time and it's a lifelong covenant. So we thought this would be a fun thing to do, but also give them a, vis- a visual picture. That is amazing. I love what you just said. Marriage is a covenant that needs to be renewed all the time. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, so we had our grandkids. So I'm just starting out with grandkids. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and <laughs> my, yeah. And I, we only have two kids. I wish I would have had more. That is my number one. My husband and I will, we are open about this. Honest. That is our number one mistake. Uh, uh, feel like we made a mistake. It's our regret that we should have had more kids. And, um, I wish we would have, but we didn't, but 
I am so happy that I get to be a grandma and my kids were gone to Egypt on a mission trip about a month ago for two weeks. And my husband and I had our three-year-old and our one-year-old. And Susan, I was drowning with just two grandkids. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, what do I do? How do I have a quiet time? You know, how do I do anything? And then when my kids got back, my daughter got the stomach flu. And then my son-in-law had this virus that he picked up in Egypt. And then their sewer burst in their ceiling. And then they found asbestos. And then they moved in with us for a week. Oh, and they just left on Sunday. And oh, uh, wow. I was, yeah, I was really tired. But yeah. you know what? I feel like it was the very best thing for Help Club for moms to be reminded how busy our moms are because a lot of our moms are young. And I, I feel like I love that you have your grandchildren in your life and you have cousin camp. And I think it's so good for us seasoned women to remember how hard it is to be a young mom. Oh, you're so right, Deb. And, you know, during those early years of being a young mom, I learned something that I hope will be an encouragement to our listeners. And that is to see life in terms of seasons. We have biological seasons, you know, the season of being a young mom, the season of parenting littles, the season of parenting teens, the season of the empty nest, and then the season of the golden years at the end. But what I have learned over the years is that every season has challenges and every season has blessings. And it's really important to articulate the challenges, to be honest about them, but then choose to focus on the blessings. For for example, you probably remember, and you just experienced it again this weekend, some of the challenges for parenting the littles are the, the physical exhaustion. I mean, not one of our five children was a sleeper. We had five kids in seven years, including a set of twins, and none of them were sleepers. And that sleep deprivation for us lasted about 10 years. I thought I was going to die. So that's that's a challenge. You know, another challenge of parenting the littles is you feel like you don't get anything done. I mean, you get up in the morning, you try to get organized, and by night, it's all done again. And that's discouraging. I, I remember once I decided I love to mow the lawn because it was the only thing I did that lasted more than 24 hours. <laughs> but another challenge um, and it's important to have to be honest about the challenges. We don't just say everything's wonderful. I'm just praising Jesus because it's not. It's hard. It's hard. Well, it's hard. Once my husband came home from the office and he walked in the front door and I met him at the front door and I said, hey, honey, I love you. They're all here. They're all alive. <laughs> They're all screaming and I'm leaving. <laughs> and I went and walked around a mall for two hours. Well, where no one pulled on any part of my body. Nobody <laughs> needed me right this minute and nobody spoke to me. <laughs> so you do have all of these challenges when you are a mother of young children. But the other side of the coin is it's really important to focus on the blessings. And let me just give you a couple of examples. One of the blessings of the toddler years in particular is the funny things they say. <laughs> I remember when one of our twins, Susie, saw the ocean for the first time she looked at it and her eyes just got huge. And she said, mommy, it's too full. You need to let some of it out. <laughs> now, now, the only reason I remember that is I grabbed a scrap piece of paper and quickly wrote what she said and put her initials in the date. Now, in today's world, you can pull out your phone, stick in your notes, what the child said, the name of the child and the date, and save that because that will be a great treasure share with these kids one day. And that's something a grandma can do when she has the little ones as well. 
So that's a blessing unique to the little years. It's not a blessing unique to the teen years. Teenagers don't say very funny things. <laughs> uh, there are other blessings unique to the teen years, which we'll talk about at some other time. But what has been helpful is to articulate the challenges of the season you're in, be honest about them, but then choose to focus on the blessings. And then we will experience God's faithfulness in blessing us. That is so good. And doesn't God love it when we rejoice always, pray continually in thanks, give it thanks in everything, right? I he love does. that scripture. I love that scripture too. Another couple of scriptures that are pivotal, I think, at every season of life. But you alluded to this earlier. We don't have any perfect kids and we don't have any perfect moms for mm -mm. sure. And I think if all of us are honest, each one of us, no matter what season of life we're in, we will feel like we have ruined a child. I have <laughs> ruined this child. You know, it's done. Yes. I've ruined it. And we will feel like this over and over again. And what the Lord gave me one day was this sentence. Susan, your ability to ruin your child is not nearly as great as my power to redeem him or her. Wow. And that's really important. I, I just would encourage you all to write this down. My ability to ruin my child is not nearly as great as God's power to redeem him. And this comes really from Luke 137, for nothing is impossible for God. Nothing, not our ruining our child, not anything. Nothing is impossible for God. And another feeling that these young moms have, and indeed we all have at any point, is you feel alone. Mm -hmm. I think we feel like it's all up to us. Uh -huh. It's all up to us. I have to do it all just right. And as you mentioned, we don't. And there's a wonderful verse, a couple of verses that really say the same thing that I discovered when I was parenting young children. And it's from Hebrews 7, 25 and Romans 8, 34. And really what it says in a paraphrase is that Jesus's job description right now is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, which also means interceding for our children. It's mm. not all up to my prayers. It's not all up to my abilities. Jesus has got my back and he's got my children's back. And that's what he's doing. And I love Deb to picture him just sort of pulling on the father's coattails. I mean, if you use your imagination and saying, Father, that's my child. That's my child. She needs help. That's my son. He needs confidence. That's my little girl. She needs to know she's special. So it's not all up to us. And that's a tremendous relief. Wow. Doesn't that make you feel more confident? In yeah. what you're doing to remember that Jesus is interceding for us and our children and our grandchildren. Yes. And it is so good because then we can walk more confidently. We can walk by faith. We can walk without anxiety. We can walk in trust. Mm -hmm. And that is so good. That's such a beautiful picture, such a beautiful picture of, uh, of Jesus, of a scripture. We did a podcast um, last week all about uh, visualizing scripture and just mm. using your mind to glorify God. And, and uh, we talked about that. And I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture of that scripture that talks about Jesus intercedes yeah. for us. That's beautiful. Thank you. Okay. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you ever compare yourself to anybody else? Oh, that's a great trap. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think that's one of the enemy's biggest weapons. And we yes. women really fall into it, perhaps more than the men. But it's just the comparison trap. We look at her and she looks like she's got it all together. And again, I think we have to always remember that there is always data missing. We don't mm. know what's going on in her life. We think her closets are clean. She's a gourmet cook. Her husband adores her. Her children obey her. But we don't live in her house. And nobody has it all together. So one of the things that I think is important for us is to be alert when the enemy brings up the comparison trap. You know, I found that our eyes tend to be in one of three places. Our eyes are on ourselves and we're disappointed in who we are or who we are not. Our eyes are on another girl or another mom. And she seems like she has it all together or our eyes are on just the Lord, which would be wonderful that our our eyes can also be on our circumstances. And that can come out in the case of the if onlys. If only I had a different house. If only I hadn't been raised in a dysfunctional family. If only I had more money. If only my husband paid attention to me. That is another tool of the devil is to hit you with the phrase, if only. So, yes, I think it's real easy to fall into the comparison trap. But what we have to do is take our eyes off those things and put them on back on the Lord. And a habit that I began a number of years ago that I keep having to go back to as I would see my eyes straying to these other areas is to begin to recite God's character traits out loud. God, you know me. Psalm 139. I am known. God, you forgive me, 1 John 1, 9. God, you lead me, Psalm 3, 5, and 7, over and over again. It's just somehow saying out loud what he does helps me take my eyes off those other areas and focus on him. And that's what gives us peace. Wow. Okay. Now, I'm glad you brought that up because you have something very special that you offer on your website and it's these cards. Can you tell us about them? They're absolutely stunning. They're, they're stunning. Oh, thank you. They are. Well, I wrote a little book called the one devotional, which is really a devotional book. It takes one character trait of God, one verse and one scripture for 100 days. And any age person can do it. I have 90 year olds doing it. I have 12 year olds doing it. And what it does is it causes us to do what I was just describing to focus on a trait of him. Like there's a wonderful promise in Ephesians, for example, Ephesians one that says God lavishes his love on us. And we so often treat God as if he's frugal. He's just sort of dips it out little by little, but he's not. He's the God who lavishes. So today, Deb, God is lavishing his love on you. And so after the book came out, um, my daughter-in-law, who's an artist and a friend of ours in the church, who is a calligrapher, we made just some cards. We're temporarily out of stock right now, I need oh. to say. But, but they're still on the website, and the book itself is available. The cards are, are out of stock at the moment, but will likely come back in the end of the summer. Nice. Okay, well, we'll get some of those at the end of the summer, because I want to get some, too. Get some for my daughter, too. Yeah. I want to talk to you about something uh, about the power of a grandma. Okay. And I, I did not have a perfect home. I didn't have a perfect grandma, perfect mom. I mean, no one does, but I was from a really dysfunctional home, but my grandmother, the year, the the year that my parents were going through their worst struggles, uh, my grandmother, uh, who was my mother's mom, who my mom was the one that was uh, making some pretty big mistakes at the time. And I was 10 years old. 
And uh, my grandmother had me at her church and she, <laughs> she, she said I had a cold and I didn't think I had a cold. Okay. But she told me I had a cold <laughs> and, uh, and she anointed me with oil mm. and her friends prayed over me and they were like calling down fire from heaven over me as a little girl, as a 10 year old girl. And I was a little scared, a little nervous. And a couple of them were praying in tongues. And then some of them were praying in English, but there was a herd of them around me with their hands up and they were calling on God for my life. And I'm telling you, Susan, God has brought me back to that time with my grandmother and she prayed over me. And I really feel because in my family, um, you know, it's just been hard uh, for my family and, and, um, I just feel like the reason I am where I am today, one of the reasons is because my grandma prayed over me. She stepped out like that and prayed over a little 10-year-old girl who was broken from what was happening in her home. And God heard those prayers. And I really want to talk for just a minute about the importance of a grandma. And I keep my grandma's picture at my at my bathroom mirror. And I look at it all the time. And she was Indian. She was American Indian. And mm-hmm. she held her little purse and she, she had her arms like this and she was very strong. I'm telling you, this woman was strong. She had like seven kids, two sets of twins, and she was very poor. And my grandpa was an alcoholic, but she was probably the strongest woman I've ever known in my life. And I keep that picture up there just to remind me of her prayers and how my prayers for my grandchildren. And so I, I know you do cousin camp and I definitely want to talk about cousin camp too, but can we talk about the power of a grandma? For just a second, what do you think about oh, that? Oh yeah, I think it's huge, and I can't wait to meet your grandma in heaven one day. I know, me too. I can't wait. She's such a wonderful example, but there's so many blessings in being a grandma, and one of them is that often our kids will hear from us things that they would just sort of roll their eyes at their mom and dad if they said. So we have an advantage in being one generation removed, and that means I think that we can have a certain boldness that the kids will receive because we're a grandparent that they wouldn't receive from mom and dad, no matter how good the mom and dad are. So I just admire your grandmother for going for it. That's wonderful. And I think we can all go for it. Uh, The greatest gift and the, my greatest prayer for my five children, all the years they were growing up and now for my 21 grandchildren is that they would fall in love with the word of God in Psalm 119, 105. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. And in today's world where there's really no authority, it changes week to week or day to day. They need the authority, but not only the authority, but the power of the scriptures. So I think praying for our grandkids is a huge responsibility and it's a huge privilege. And one of the just very practical things that my husband, John, and I do every year is we get our adult kids to send us specific prayer requests for each of their children for the coming year. And they send them in an email and we clip them and we glue them in our prayer notebooks. Mm. And so we're praying very specifically. I'll give you a couple examples. One grand, one prayer this year has been for a grandson to have a good friend in middle school. Who's a Christian. He doesn't have anyone in his Mm. buddy group. Another parent asked that we pray for increased confidence in her youngest of four, a little girl who doesn't have a lot of confidence. She's the youngest in the family. Another prayer was for a boy, for a more positive attitude and for his relationship with his younger sister, who he just does not get along with. 
Another was for a young granddaughter that she would learn to be a good risk taker. She's real reticent and shy and she needs to be growing and being a risk taker and also in being the first to reach out to others. And then for a grandson, a hunger and a discipline to read the Bible as he's just beginning to get interested. So those are just some of the samples that our adult children send us. And so we email them every year and say, send us specific prayer requests for each of your children. And then I've assigned a day each week since I have five kids. Each family has a day that I'm really praying through all the requests for that family. Um, So I think that's one of the privileges we have as grandparents. And, you know, what's interesting, even if your adult children aren't particularly walking with the Lord, any person, most people are welcome for that or would love to have prayers and they'd love to have prayers for their children. So I think you're just bold with your adult kids and you say, Hey, sweetie, dad, and I really want to pray for it specifically for your kids this year. Would you send us a written list of what their needs are and how we can pray for them? Wow. That's such a great idea. That is so good. And I love how I was reading through cousin camp And I had that book and I also had this one. Whenever I first became an empty nester, I bought this one. Look how cute you guys are. You and Barbara Rainey. Yes. Such a good book. Well, we wrote that because we were hitting the empty nest and there were no books out there. And we thought, oh my goodness, how do you handle this season? What do you do? So we interviewed about a hundred women across the country. And that's (laughs) the genesis of that book. Oh my goodness. Well, it really helped me. And I, I agree with you. There are hardly any books out there for empty nesters and it is a season of mothering. You know, honestly, I think that there's not very much out there for us. And you know what I think it is? I think that the women that have younger kids, they can talk about their kids, you know, because their kids aren't old enough to watch a video or like, they don't know that you're talking about them, the struggles, but your adult kids, you can't talk about them, (laughs) your struggles, you know what I'm saying? Which you don't want to anyway. And, uh, but, but I just think that, and I think a lot of older women feel disqualified and that really makes me sad. Even, uh, seeking out older women, for groups uh, to be mentor moms, a lot of them will say, I don't feel qualified. And that makes me very sad because God qualifies the unqualified. You know what I'm saying? He, right. He's the one that writes our story and the story is not over. It is not, not over. Well, you could be in the middle of a story mm-hmm. and feel down in the dumps about your story, but it's not over. There's always hope with Jesus. There is. And I think one of the things that maybe will relieve that pressure is if we switch from using the word mentor to older friend, somehow mentor makes you feel like you're supposed to know it all and have all the wise wisdom in the world and not make any mistakes. And we both know that's not true because we mess up our whole lives. We're never going to get there to that magical there where we walk with Christ completely and trust him and have no struggles. That's reserved for us in heaven but we won't get there this side of earth. So I really encourage women to have a friend, a season ahead of you, primarily a friend with whom you can share your deepest hurts or desires who will simply pray for you. She may not have the answers, but what she has that you don't have is years of experience. And she's come through hard waters and she'll still have more hard waters, but somehow it relieves the pressure to call somebody an older friend. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I've not. That's a really good way of looking. I heard the term frontor. 
<laughs> friend tour. And then uh, we, I do these uh, Zoom groups at Help Club and it's called Mothering Groups, Mothering with Deb, because I feel like if I was just someone's second mom, then yeah. they can see me if I don't look perfect or if I'm in a hotel room and my hotel room's messy because you'd see your mom like that or you'd yeah. see your mom not being perfect. And so yeah. I love that. Absolutely. I agree. I don't like the term mentor because I, I, I really dropped it from all of our stuff that we're doing at Help Club because it does feel like pressure. <laughs> It, it does feels feel like, like pressure. pressure. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't like pressure. Okay. I want to show you guys this book. It's called Cousin Camp. It's a great birthday gift for your mom or your mother-in-law, right? And I love this book. And I have a big question for you that, I mean, after having my grandkids, um, and then I love this right here. It's a free printable that you can get at SusanAlexanderYates.com. And it's, it was, you designed it for COVID. We designed one of these for COVID, like activities to do at home, but I love the focus of, you know, the grandparents and the loving on the grandkids. And you can totally use this. It, there's so many ideas in here. It made me, I really was happy, happy reading this because I felt like with my grandkids, when they were staying with me, I was just keeping them alive. <laughs> I was. And, and sometimes that's all you can do. <laughs> it, I was, but I felt really sad. I was like, yeah. Wasn't I better at this when my kids were little? But then I remembered my kids were farther apart in age. These two are really close. And um, so sometimes you're just keeping them alive, right, Susan? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but tell us about like, okay, I have a question about your 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 camp. What do you do? How do you do it with all the littles? Well, when we started, we've done it for 11 years. And when we started our camp, we started with five children from three different families. And for our camp, you have to be four years old to come because I didn't want to deal with toddlers. <laughs> so that's not that's not necessarily true for everybody. And actually in the book, Deb, I have tell stories of probably 20 other types of camps you can have that friends have done. So everybody's situation is different. Uh, in the book, I even have a single aunt who's run a camp for her nieces and nephews. So there's a lot of ways to do it. But for ours, our mission statement or our vision statement for our camp is, and our prayer is they want our kids to love the Lord their God with all their heart and to care for each other. And we actually turn that into a pledge. We call it the Bach pledge or the band of cousins. We pledge to love the Lord, our God, and to take care of each other. So the first year we had it, we had uh, five kids from three different families. One of our goals is to help them grow spiritually, but really to connect them with one another because our kids live in different places. So we're spread out and, it's hard to love someone you don't know. So we would bring our kids together in the summer for four days and three nights. And parents are not allowed. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how much better the kids are for you when the parents are not there. And it's just been wonderful over 11 years. The last three years, we've had all 21 of our grandchildren. But each year, it would grow and grow and grow. And in the book, I have really detailed schedules for what do you do as a daily schedule? How do you have Bible study? There's three different Bible studies in the book. Uh, one of our most surprising uh, things that we learned was what we call the buddy system. We did this out of desperation because we realized we there was no way we could help each little four-year-old, because we also have quads, four-year-old get their meal. Fix Wait, their you have a quad. What is a quad? We have quad grandchildren. For our daughter Libby had a little girl who was not yet oh. two when she gave birth to quads. Oh. <laughs> so that really ran up our numbers. 
But so we assigned each older cousin, a younger cousin who's to be their buddy, to help them find shoes, to help them fix their plates, to sit with them at Bible study when they didn't really know where to find the scripture or how to write in their journals. They all had journals. And we did this out of desperation. (laughs) But one of the things that happened that surprised us is how popular the buddy system was. And inevitably, every spring, I will get a call from some grandchild saying, gee, who's going to be my big buddy this year? The kids love it. And it teaches the older cousins how to serve and how to care for a younger cousin. So, you know, with our camps, we've had a lot of surprises. Um, You have to learn to roll with what goes and to be able to change your expectations. One of the expectations that John and I had, which was really silly, but it was an expectation, was that we would have these deep, meaningful conversations (laughs) with each one of our grandchildren. But the reality was they didn't really care about talking to us. They wanted to talk to their cousins and be with their cousins. And that was really the purpose anyway. Time to have those deep, special conversations is other times during the year when we are just with that particular family. So I talk, talk about all of these sorts of things in the book. And You know, you can do this no matter what your family's like. Families are just plain messy. And I start out with that. You know, God gets it. I mean, God created family. Adam and Eve were messy. Cain and Abel were messy. So God's not shocked by what goes on. And again, God can redeem anything. Wow, that is so good. Everything you said is just so good. Okay, what? Okay, how old are your grandkids now? They range from now. They range from ten to twenty-four, and we actually our oldest is married, and and has has been married for a year and a half. So yeah, we're we're moving on up until the you know the later teen years. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, what's your favorite memory of cousin camp? Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Well, some of the silliest memories, we act out (laughs) Bible stories and you have 10 minutes to go around my house and find some kind of crazy costume (laughs) and to be the person that you're portraying. And then we act it out and they're ridiculous, but it's so much fun. Another favorite thing is we have, I go to the hardware store and I bought a big gutter several years ago and lined the gutter with uh, aluminum foil, and we made a huge, long ice cream sundae. Now, you have to be a little careful about that with COVID, but uh, it's just full of ice cream and toppings and fruit, and the kids all dive in at once. It's one, two, three, go. And they dive in and get their ice cream. Another favorite thing we do is we always have a whipped cream fight. we divide the kids into teams. Now, the first year, I really blew it. You, you make a lot of mistakes, Deb. <laughs> I had, um, I didn't have whipped cream. I had shaving cream, and that was really gross. Oh. And we switched after that to whipped cream, and the kids love it. They always ask, "When is the whipped cream fight?" You know, <laughs> cover each other with, with the delicious goo rather than shaving cream. So we do a lot of fun things. We always have a Bible study time in the morning, and. Each of the children have journals that they write in and we share Christ with them. And those who haven't come to know the Lord often will want to pray and ask Jesus into their heart. And you see the power of peer pressure in a good way when you have 
a number of grandchildren. And I remember one year, um, my grandson, Alexander, we asked him, had he ever asked Jesus into his heart? And he wasn't sure. And so my husband said, well, would you like to? And he said, yes. And we said, we don't pressure them if they don't want to. We say, well, you just think about this. You don't want to pressure them. But he said, yes. And we said, well, who would you like to do it with? And all of the cousins in the room raised their hand, do it with me, do it with me, do it with me. And finally, Alexander turned to my husband. He said, I want to do it with you. So Alexander and Poppy went out into the yard and he asked Jesus into his heart. And then when they came back in, all the cousins clapped. So it was a celebration. It wasn't awkward. Again, that's an advantage that we have as grandparents is we can just be matter of fact. And there's something that clicks in a child when he's hearing it from a grandparent and not a parent. It doesn't mean the parents oughtn't to do this, but it is just a special place in the generations that we can take advantage of. That is so good. That is so good. We have a, we sing Bible songs. Have you heard of those? We sing. Yeah. They're so sweet. It was from, I think they were created in the nineties and both of our children came to Christ in the car listening to those songs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was listening in the car to, we sing Bible songs with my granddaughter driving her home. And right before we go, you know, good home, she's like, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. And I was like, we sing Bible songs is something super special. So she went in and prayed with her parents. And, and she says, she will tell you, she's three. She will say, I have Jesus in my heart. Oh, that's wonderful. It's so sweet. And you know what, Susan, she does. She does. It's that easy. It it is. It's not hard. And we know there'll be many times of recommitment and there'll be some times we put Jesus in the closet of our heart. But the reality is he promises in Hebrews, he will never, ever leave us nor forsake us. So I developed a little what I call certainty sheet that we have glued in with a paragraph to our grandchildren into each one of their journals that talks about what happens when you ask Jesus into your heart and all the promises that you have? It's just one page. But I want our, our grandchildren to know that they know that they know and not hope. Because too many people out there kind of hope or think, or maybe I'm a Christian, but they don't have that assurance. Wow. So that's just another little thing we've done to hand and out. D- did you make that? Like, could you share that? <laughs> I'll email it to you and you can use it however you want. I would love, we'll give that away here yeah. with this video. That is, I think yeah. a lot of adults probably would like to read that as well. Well, they do. I speak and whenever I speak, I share this and I hand them out and it's nothing that's copyrighted or mine. It's just basically scripture and it's a way of giving assurance. So anyone is free to use it however they'd like and add their own personal introduction. I love that. Okay. So Susan, I have two last questions for you. My mic is like crazy going up and down here. (laughs) Um, Okay. Susan, what is your number one advice to a young mom? Oh, I love that question. My number one advice is to stay in the word yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not going to make it if you don't have that time alone, preferably in the morning, because then you have your day to work to walk in it. And this is really my advice for anybody, but particularly we're desperate when we're mothers of young children. And it may mean you get up 20 minutes early. And it may mean that you train your kids that you they can't bother you uh, for 20 minutes and you put a timer on and you just get in the word. I read a Psalm every day and ask the Lord to give you one thought and underline it 
that you can walk on that day. And of course, you spend time praying for your children, even if you take turns praying for a different child each day, if you have multiple ones. But the power of God's word is what is life changing. And one of the things, too, Deb, that I think is important in today's world is that we use a paper Bible for our quiet times. Yes. Oh, my Bible. Yes. A Bible that you can mark up and show your children. Now, most people have Bibles on their phone, but the reality is that your kids don't know what you're looking at if you're looking at your phone. And it's fine to read the Bible on the phone when you're waiting in the carpool line or at the doctor's office or times like that. But when you're having your own quiet time, I really advise you to put your phone out of sight Don't look at it and just be in the word and underline and write notes. And perhaps the verse will hit you that you're praying specifically for someone else. I have four Bibles that are totally falling apart and I'm on my my fifth now. And my goal is to leave one of my paper Bibles when I die for each of my five children. Mm-hmm. Because you can imagine right now, Deb, if you had your great grandmother's paper Bible where she had underlined things and made notes, what a treasure that would be. And then, That's you know, right. as you are learning things from the word, share with your children. Share, hey, look, gang, this is what mama got this morning, because that will help them develop a hunger for the word. It doesn't mean make it rote or like every day I need to be in the word and then I need to go tell my kids. Be natural about it. But the most important thing is that you have that time alone with your heavenly father who loves you so much. And again, who can redeem any mess you make. Mm, That is amazing. You know, I have my Bible and uh, my husband redid it for me. It was so sweet because it was falling apart. And then I have a gym Bible where I used to go to the gym and, uh-huh. uh, and go on a little stair machine and pray scripture, same scriptures uh-huh. over my family. And I gave one to my daughter when she graduated from college, one to my son-in-law when they got married, because I was praying scripture over him too, with all the scriptures underlined. And I have one for my son that I'm storing for him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I think you're exactly right. Like I want my kids to know what scriptures I prayed over them when they were growing up. And, and I love the fact that you have your notes. I would love to have my grandma's Bible. I would have loved that. that And I agree. I think, okay, so now let me ask you a question though. A lot of young moms work. There's a high percentage of young moms that work. How can young moms fit in time with God? What do you think? What's your best advice? Well, we're going to fit in whatever's the most important thing to us. Yeah. Yeah. Just think about that. We're going to fit in. If it's working out, we're going to fit it in. We're going to fit in what's most important. So I would just say, carve out the first 20 minutes of your day. You can manage 20 minutes and be alone uh, and spend time with the Lord. And then he will bless your day. And it's not that he won't bless your day if you aren't alone with him, but you're going to walk through the day stressed and frazzled and going from list to list to list. And it's just hard. It's really easy for our list to become our idol. What I check off of my list makes me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. But God doesn't care about our product or our progress so much as he cares about us experiencing his presence. Mm -hmm. He knows what's on our plate and he just wants us to be in his presence. Because he loves us. 
and he'll yes. take care of the rest. It goes back to Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, how I'm going to get to that carpool? How am I going to get this deadline done at work? How am I going to handle this sticky relationship with a colleague? All these things will be added onto it. You are exactly right. Uh, whenever my children were little, uh, since I didn't grow up in a Christian home, I felt overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do. And I remember going into my daughter's room at night, kneeling beside her bed and crying out to God and asking him for help. And he said, just get up a little bit earlier. Yeah. And I did. I got up about 15, 20 minutes earlier and it didn't kill me. And mm-hmm. I asked for God's energy. <laughs> I love that. But it didn't kill you. It That's didn't a kill me. Right. It doesn't That's kill you. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, I think sometimes reading all this stuff about sleep and Oh, if you don't get enough sleep, you're going to get cancer. You know, I just don't think that God works like that. I feel like if you give him your time, he's going to bless you and Mm -hmm. bless your health and multiply, you know, your day and everything you're doing. And I just love that. I love thinking about things differently, not on the world's system, but on God's system. Yeah. And uh, it changed my life, Susan. There's no way I would be where I am today uh, with a Christian home, you know, that my kids got to grow up in. Mm-hmm. Had I not spent that time with the Lord. So it is the most it's important time of day. So, if you have to put your kids on a video or something, do it and just read the Bible. <laughs> in the old days, we I used to put mine in front of Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> he was very safe, right? He was safe. very safe. Yeah. He was good. Okay, last question. Uh older women, what is your best tip of advice for an older mom, a seasoned mom? A seasoned mom. Someone who's raised their kids. I'd say, again, it goes back to make your quiet times the first priority of your day. Because even if you are an empty nester, uh, you can still fill your day with other stuff first. And you'll be tempted to do that the rest of your life. So I think making your time alone with the Lord, the priority of that day is really important. I would pray for God to... One of my prayers for our church women is that God would make us what I call sandwich women. Mm. So you picture a sandwich and you have two pieces of bread and the peanut butter in the middle. So picture yourself as the peanut butter in the middle with an older friend who's further along the way ahead of you to whom you can go with questions. But then you also need to have the bottom slice of bread, a younger woman that you can be pouring your life into. And So reach out to one of those young, hassled moms who's overwhelmed, who perhaps didn't come from a Christian family Mm -hmm. and is too hesitant to ask you to meet with her. You know, it's sort of like finding an older friend or a younger friend is kind of like going on a first date. (laughs) Just go out for coffee. You're not making a long commitment. You're just going out for coffee just to get to know one another. And if it seems to click, then you continue to go out. So again, what's intimidating is thinking, oh, I'm making this huge commitment. What if we don't click? Then it's awkward. And so I would say first is your time alone with the Lord. And secondly, seek to be a sandwich woman, mm-hmm. having someone a few years ahead of you, but pouring into someone a few years behind you. And it could even be that 13-year-old gal on your street who's really struggling with being a teenager. And mm-hmm. she and her mom aren't communicating right now. Reach out to her. Ask her what's going on in her life. And I think with teenagers, we have to learn to, well, with anybody, but husbands too, but with teenagers in particular, we need to learn to ask questions that call for more than a one word answer. You know, how was your day? Fine. 
that doesn't give you very much information. You know, it's far better to say, tell me who some of your friends are or tell me what your favorite subject in school is or tell me what you are struggling with right now in being a mom. What's the hardest thing for you right now in your season? So ask questions that call for more than a one word answer. Wow. That is so good. Well, we're out of time, sadly. I, I could really honestly talk to you all day. And I'm, <laughs> I'm really, we're going to have you back for sure, Susan. Uh, well, but I, I have, I have, I'm really excited because you guys, your publisher is giving us copies for a giveaway. And so in this post is going to be a giveaway on how you can win a free copy of Cousin Camp. And so be sure to read the, the post and then you can see how you can qualify. You can just leave a comment in this post and you can say uh, I why you would want to win the book Cousin Camp. Why would you want to win this free book? And then we're going to go down and we'll pick four winners. I think we have four free books. So your publisher was very generous. So thank you. Thank you. One last thing. Can you pray for us? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Thank you. Father, I thank you for Deb and her team and the vision you have given them for this club. Father, I wish I'd had this when I was raising my littles. So I thank you, first of all, for for their hearing your call. And I thank you for all the moms, Lord, out there, grandmoms. Father, pray that you would give to each one of us a hunger for your word, just an insatiable hunger to be in your word. And I pray, Father, that you would remind us over and over again that our ability to ruin our children is not nearly as great as your power to redeem them. Mm -hmm. And Father, that you are working while we are waiting. Lord, sometimes we just can't see any results, and that is so hard. But in the winter, we can't see what's coming in the spring, and it's bleak, and it's cold, and sometimes it feels very defeated. But you're working underground, and we can't see it. And in your time, spring will burst forth. So we thank you that you are working in our children's lives while we're waiting, that you're a God who's always working. So we thank you for that. And thank you, Lord, that you love each one of us at this very moment, the most you could ever love us. It's not dependent on our behavior. It's dependent on the God who has an everlasting deep love. Amen. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Susan. Oh, you're Uh, welcome. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so guys, don't forget, go download this free printable at SusanAlexanderYates.com. It's called Camp at Home, 100 Practical Ideas for Families, but there's ideas in here that you can do with your own children. And uh, don't forget, she's got some great books. What is your one, your one, what was that called? I want to get that one. Oh, the one devotional, one devotional, the one devotional. And all of my books are available on my website. You can just go to the books link on my website and see them all. I love that. Okay. Thank you, Susan, for coming. Thank we you thank for God having for me. You. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for your faithfulness to your call. Oh, thank you. A huge deal. Okay. Thank you. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching. Bye.